this topic tonight is very interesting. It's uh, a topic about mapping the Sasquatch genome or mapping the Bigfoot genome. And I'm beginning to wonder if my super fans are giving me topics that um, ultimately will embarrass me, but let's go for it. Um, so uh, enjoy tonight's episode on mapping Bigfoot's genome. Welcome to another episode of Topic Discuss. This is um, a topic I, another topic I probably have been avoiding, to be honest. Um, it is about mapping the Bigfoot genome, which is really strange. So we'll just dive right into it. And I'll tell you my own story and my own personal experience. This story does relate back to another video um, another YouTube video on my channel about critical thinking. So we'll make some connections there. Remember, please subscribe and uh, make some comments. And it's also really helpful if you watch all the way through. Um, so what happened to me or what happened in this world of the Sasquatch Genome Project in 2012, I think it was, um, the fall of 2012 or maybe you know somewhere around there i can remember reading a book i i at this time i was in try you know we just we have five small kids uh they're all very close together in age and in 2012 it felt we had a whole uh a whole brood of these little ones and so getting the getting them to sleep at night was challenging it's a little better now, but it was not very easy back then. So it was important for me to have things I could read while I was putting them to sleep or laying by them. So one book that I would, um, that I read because I had always had this interest in Sasquatch was by Jeff Meldrum. And that is, um, a, uh, where, when legend meets, meets science, I think. And I remember um, the night that I read that book, it was so interesting and so compelling um, because Jeff Meldrum is an anthropologist um, uh, and in fact specializes in the footprints of humans and, and ancient humans, ancient hominids. And um, that, so, so he had this very scientific um, way of talking about Sasquatch evidence and um, it was just fascinating to me and I kind of fell down this rabbit hole and I don't know why I did this and it just it had made me think um, over and over again about what what's possible did this really happen or or, or is this real real evidence and um, and I remember as a kid growing up um, seeing this uh, Sasquatch film or where Bigfoot's walking across, um, it's the Patterson-Gimlin film, and he's walking, you know, Bigfoot walk, is walking across the, the scene, and it's very compelling, and it, it's very interesting. Um, and so as a kid, that, that kind of scared me, and I always kind of had monster fascinate, fascinations as a kid. I would hear the Pattyfoot monster story from my Uncle Bill, 
I would hear these different stories about, um, you know, Sasquatch or, or, or some other, you know, kind of creature, werewolf type thing. I can remember this was, uh, you know, Jaws and I, I was too, I was not old enough to see the original Jaws, but I can remember Jaws 2 and Jaws 2 and, and, and really Jaws, the first, the first Jaws, it, they, you really didn't see this monster, right? You just saw a glimpse and then everything else is um, implied. And that's kind of the monster stories that I, I really love today. Um, but that they really fascinated me back then. And there is something fascinating about human evolution to me as well, right? So if, you know, if there are the, the there's this evidence of all these different types of, of ancient human species, Neanderthals and Denisovans and Athropisicus, Athropisicus, Pithecus, um, I shouldn't try to, to talk about stuff I don't understand very well. Anyway, not an expert, but this is my story. So I read, so I've got this kind of fascination. I'm with my kids in the middle of the night, up late, reading this book by Jeff Meldrum. I'm fascinated, and he mentions or credits in his book, The Olympic Project. And The Olympic Project um, really, I thought it was interesting that he referenced The Olympic Project because a lot of evidence he had studied came from this group of people and one of those individuals or the person who started the Olympic project was Derek Randalls. Now here's where I did something that I think was out of character for me, but out of fascination and curiosity, I emailed Derek Randalls, not thinking I'd ever get a reply. I didn't think to, I, I didn't think I'd get a reply from Jeff Meldrum, but I thought, well, maybe I could ask Derek Randalls about this, this thing happening or on the Olympic project and what, what was it? And did he have more experience, right? Where did he, was he seeing something that, you know, wasn't mentioned in this book? So I got an immediate reply from Derek Randalls and, or maybe the next morning, but it was, that sent me down a rabbit hole and that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. And so, um, he reached back out to me and he, my name is Gary Robert Stone. And so for some reason he thought that I was, um, Robert Lindsay. So no one, I think listening to this is going to know who Robert Lindsay is, but he ran a blog, um, that talked about Bigfoot and, and talked about Sasquatch that was kind of, he was kind of like an investigative reporter. And, and I had no idea at this time how much of an online, how, how much people lived in the online world. Like they created these, these online persona, many of them fake, right? They could be somebody online that they aren't in real life. So either through blogging or through these forums or through Facebook. I wasn't on Facebook at the time. I, I didn't have a, a, any sense of what was happening in the online community, let alone in the Big, Bigfoot online community. So I don't know who Robert Lindsay is. I find out who he is later, but that's who Derek Randall's thinks that I am. So as we're talking to each other, he piques my interest even more and tells me about this uh, genome project happening with a doctor named Melba Ketchum. Melba Ketchum. 
and and the fact that uh, she's analyzing Bigfoot DNA, Sasquatch DNA. So of course, I'm even more intrigued, right? So science is very interesting to me. I um, I, I want to understand what scientific evidence is out there, and I think there must be now. I, I've read Jeff Meldrum's book. Jeff Meldrum is a scientist. He's at the univers. He's at Idaho University or Idaho State University, and I'm so I'm intrigued. So now there's a geneticist involved from Texas. Well, <clears throat> I wanted to know from Derek, well, where did this um, Bigfoot or Sasquatch DNA come from? It had to come from a sample. And he tells me the, the story of Justin Smeja or Smeja. It's, it's spelled S-M-E-J-A, Justin Smeja. <laughs> and what... And what um, that story was probably another just fascinating tale to me. And I wish I could do it justice. I actually did speak to Justin Smeja on the phone. Um, I've heard him tell his story. Um, and and it, it goes like this. He and his buddy are hunting. And um, while they're hunting, he they, they can't they haven't been able to find a bear or something. This is in the Sierra Nevada and California mountains. And um, so they they decide to pull over um, because, oh, they're, they're driving out of the forest at the end of the day. I don't know that they have, I, I, I can't remember some of these details, but I can remember distinctly that they saw something that they thought was a bear and they pulled over and this is late fall of, I don't remember what year, maybe 2010, someone who knows the story better than me, I think, or can remember it better than me, um, make a comment below about the dates. But, um, so he pulls over with his friend. He has his friend to pull the truck over, and then he gets out with a gun, and he gets this creature in, its, in his sights, and the creature stands up on both legs and looks at him. And he talks about how strange this this creature was to him. It 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 wasn't a bear. Um, it wasn't really human, but it was kind of human and kind of ape-like and indescribable to him. But it was shocking. And and the creature put its put his hands up, you know, and um, and. Justin Smeja shoots, shoots at this thing and it doesn't fall or get, or I think it hit him. I think he saw, you know, the, the creature hit and then, but, and then takes off running. So Justin and his friend freak out, you know, again, it's better to listen to his version of the story, but they chase after it and they see it kind of tumble down into these, into a thicket of, of kind of thorny bushes. And when they arrive at the thicket, they can't see the thing that they shot or he, uh, Justin shot, but, in, but they actually see two juveniles, two little ones. And I think this is probably the part of the story that became so, so strange and so wild to listen to and, and made it even more compelling for me. Um, he, there, these two little ones are kind of like, sometimes walking on all on two legs and then sometimes on all four like chimpanzees but 
not. They were human-like and childlike, but also chimpanzee-like. And they're looking for this other creature that had kind of rolled into the thicket. And they're making sounds at each other. They're, it's kind of this gibberish, according to Justin Smeja. And they start looking like they're getting more and more aggressive towards him, you know, but what, but uh, anyway, so he, uh, he decides to shoot one of them and, uh, and it, you know, kills it. And it, and he was at the bottom of a, a small hill when he shot this one that, that he thought was going to come and attack him. And he shoots it and it rolls down onto his boot, bleeding and dead. And I, when I talked to him, he told me that when he was holding, that he picked up this creature and held it. And all he could think about is it reminded him of his own child. It was so human-like. So they're scared. They don't know what they've done. They don't know what they've killed. They bury this, this child, the juvenile. They don't know where the other, the other one runs off. And the adult is dead somewhere. And then he takes off and he leaves. Six weeks later, for some reason, he posts in a hunter's forum his experience with, with this his his experience with this creature and shooting it and and for some and I don't know why I don't know how this connected but Derek Randalls who I mentioned earlier read who's in charge of the Olympic project who's a big Bigfoot researcher um, and he's not really a well known Derek Randalls is not well known in in Bigfoot research. Uh, publicly, but within the Bigfoot community, he's kind of a, a uh, you know, a, a, a legend. And, and really, I think people respect him um, within the Bigfoot community. And he's, and he can kind of, he's kind of a leader. Um, Jeff Meldrum will reach out to him, for example. Um, so he talks to Just, Justin Smeja and he said, hey, let's go up and see if we can recover the body. Well, by the time they get up to recover the body, because, you know, Derek Randalls wants to investigate this, the uh, a big snow came through and, and covered the, the area. So they had to go back m many weeks later to try to find where they buried this body. By the time they were able to do that, they found this chunk of flesh with hair on it. Could have been a bear for all they knew but that was where Justin said he thought he buried the, 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 the juvenile. And what was strange too about this time that I didn't quite understand until I got more involved is some other guys followed him and I think his name was Tyler Huggins and Bart Cartino. Cartino. They wanted to be part of this discovery too. They interviewed Justin. So, but it was, but it was really Derek who started this project with with Justin Smeja, and I noticed that there was there was a lot of territorialism in, in the Bigfoot community, the Sasquatch community, again that I didn't understand. Very political, right? So, Justin, or so, you know, Bart Curtino and Tyler Huggin, Huggins is there. You know, Tyler Huggins is a real estate agent who thinks he's a Bigfoot researcher. He's got some kind of a certification with the Bigfoot Research Organization, the BRFO. I have, I have no idea that any of that, this stuff is real. So he, they're, they're kind of encroaching on Derek Randall's territory. They show up to go and find this creature. Derek is kind of pissed off. 
somehow Derek ends up with a piece of the sample at, of this creature that was shot and killed allegedly, and so did Tyler Huggins and, and Bart Curtino. And I don't, I, I don't care. I just am fascinated by the story about Justin Smeja and this adult creature, supposedly a Sasquatch and its two children, and the fact that Justin shoots the adult and then shoots the kid. Anyway, difficult for me to understand. Um, but such a fascinating story. And I'm kind of telling you that because I want to explain why I even believed any of this or got, or got involved at all. Because it is, uh, well, this is where critical thinking comes in, right? So I start to talk more with Derek about the genomic analysis happening with Melba Ketchum. She gets a sample. She gets the sample from Derek Randall's because she's also some kind of a quasi leader within the Bigfoot community. She has a Facebook page. People are following her. Again, I have no idea that these communities even exist online. I think that this is legitimate science and legitimate research um, because I just had no exposure, no exposure to kind of these online communities where people aren't really themselves, you know, they, they have uh, pseudonyms, they have fake names, they're anonymous. Um, and it's, I just had, I was just mind blown by, and, and so I, I kind of like liken it to QAnon and these QAnon forums and, um, you know, people pretending to be something that they're not and pretending to have knowledge that they don't really have. But in a way, it, it creates an alternative universe for them because apparently, or either is an escape or because their real life sucks. So, um, so, I, but I'm naive, so naive to what's happening, to what's really happening. I'm, re I'm really thinking Melba Ketchum's a scientist. So, and Derek Randall sounds so intelligent. And he's telling me about her and he wants to know if I'll talk to her, right? Because there are people that, and he calls them people. I don't realize it's these people in the online communities in the, in the Bigfoot forums who are kind of criticizing Melba. Well, he wanted someone to validate that, you know, Melba was who she really was. So I, I had the opportunity to, to talk with Melba Ketchum on the phone uh, many late nights. And at first, she sounded very intelligent. And it's kind of this Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Where someone knows enough to sound like they're right, but they don't know enough to, to know or realize they're wrong. And we don't realize that they're wrong. Um, but it's not just that she thinks she's right, but then we think she's right as well, right? Um, without really being skeptical enough to push back and say, well, now wait a minute. And what was, what was interesting for me, my experience is I was so wanting this to be real. I, because the story was so compelling. I had my own, um, my own kind of fantasy as a kid when I would see that Sasquatch walk across the, 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 in the film, the Patty Patterson Gimli film, you know, I, I want I want the mysterious to be real, right? And um, the unknown to be real. It's it is kind of a fantasy and it's entertaining. Um, so when she would talk to me at first, she just sounded brilliant. She did understand DNA. 
She understood um, some very basic genetics in terms of breeding animals. Um, and I've come to find out as I'm talking to her more that she's a veterinarian. She's a veterinarian. She's not a geneticist, nor is she a scientist. And she's a veterinarian who took some very basic um, courses to learn how to do uh, DNA w for breeding purposes, breeding horses and, and dogs. That is not, that is not com complicated stuff, right? She is not the person to send a sample to um, for analysis to determine if they're if they're if it's a Sasquatch or a, to even identify a new a new species. And so and then and so I can remember thinking when I got first got off the phone with her, how did how, how did this happen? Right. So red flags start popping off for me, where I'm like, wait a minute, she's a she's a veterinarian. What does she know about next generation sequencing or whole genome sequencing or species? Uh, identification through DNA. Um, how does she know how to use BLAST? Like you can go onto the NCBI database online. If you have a, a sequence of DNA, you can you can uh, um, paste it in or copy it or or upload it and do a BLAST analysis to see if the sequence you have matches any of the known um, species in, in that database. How did she know how to do that? And yet. And, and yet believes that Sasquatch is, you know, some kind of an angel, right? So when, as I would talk to her, she then starts to tell me that her original DNA that she, she analyzes is completely human. She analyzes chromosome 11, which is well-preserved over time, um, and, but that's well-preserved for human. So she's kind of goes into this analysis with the bias. I shouldn't say kind of, she completely goes into the analysis with the bias, um, recognizing that she wants this creature to be human. Um, in fact, she called, she would call them the forest people and that they deserve rights too, right? That they're just human, humans that live in the forest with, that are super hairy and very tall and have magic powers. So I'm just like, this is effing nuts. What, what's going on? But, I, but maybe there's something here. Maybe there is something to, I, I, you know, I, I really wanted Justin's story to be real. I, I, I wanted to know what that was that he saw. He took a lie detector test. He sounds very sincere, even to this day. He sounded sincere to me when I talked to him on the phone. Um, and Brian Sykes even analyzed, and Brian Sykes is a real geneticist from Oxford who did um, kind of conclude the study. He, he kind of helped to recognize that there might be, or there is uh, still flat-faced bear species alive, which was, was thought to be extinct. Even he, you know, was involved in analyzing um, this, this sample, which really did turn out to be bear the whole time. Um, and but because I wanted so badly to, um, you know, understand what was going on, I, I kind of overlooked Melba Ketchum's complete insanity and the Bigfoot community's insanity. It's completely insane, um, just like QAnon. It, it's cultish. It's um, factions. There are factions. There are, people. you know, different belief systems. It's like a religion. Um, and I, I don't know how many communities are like that online. They, there must be a, a, a millions 
you know, where people create these alternative universes and expect you to think that they're real. So, um, one of the, so, so I can recall specifically speaking to Tyler Huggins and Bart Curtino and, um, you know, they, they had said that their the sample that they got from Justin Smeja, they took to a real scientist in Canada and, um, analyzed that or some, a scientist there did and, and realized it was bare, but it be, to begin with, it didn't come across as bare. One of the main reasons for that, and this is why the the original DNA was so compelling, because there were un um, there were there were uh, sequences that were not that were difficult to analyze. The first analysis that the scientists in Canada did, it was too difficult to do, partly because Americanus or um, the black bear sequence was not in the NCBI database. But I think pandas were, so you would get a panda bear sequence in the run for BLAST on, on NCBI database, or you would get, you know, some other um, kind of untoward sequence that you weren't expecting, and human as well. And so when Melba sees that, she immediately assumes or believes that that must mean it's, um, that must mean it's, uh, that that Sasquatch is part human and part something else, right? That the mitochondrial DNA is 100% human, completely conserved over time. Chromosome 11 is what, where she started, and that's how she wrote her scientific paper. She wrote a full scientific paper. She actually submitted the scientific paper to Nature. I saw it myself. I saw her reviews from Nature. So Nature publication is incredibly difficult to get published in. And I was very surprised. And this is another reason why I was kind of like falling for this stuff because nature didn't immediately reject her paper. They sent it back with revisions, which was, I, I thought if they didn't reject it outright, then they must be thinking that something's here. Well, in those, so I read those comments. She shared them with me. I knew exactly what they wanted to see in revisions. Their, their questions were excellent. The revisions they asked for were excellent. They wanted to see the sequences themselves. They wanted to see the original data. Well, what was crazy is that her response back to Nature, the most renowned scientific journal in the world that's actually giving her the time of day, they're giving her some attention. She, write, she writes back in her response, um, why they are wrong, why, why, why they are wrong with their questions and she's not going to share the raw data with them. So, of course, they rejected it. But I was just like, what is go what the hell is going on with this lady? Well, what was going on is she had a clear um, anthropomorphic bias. She believed that these are people, um, the community around her that supported her, um, the online community, I should say, right? These people don't really have are you know have friends. Their their friends are all you know um, aliases uh, of people that live in other parts of the country. And that this faction of the Bigfoot community had a specific belief system, and that belief system she wanted, um, and she expected to uh, that she expected to she I, well. This on this big this faction of the Bigfoot community expected her to validate 
and prove and establish their doctrine of what Sasquatch is. It is so religious. I, it, it blows my mind. I could imagine early Christianity being like this, right? Like there's all these factions of Christianity. Central figure is Christ. But there are these factions about who he was, was, was he resurrected, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, there, these different factions, um, you know, kind of end up creating their own doctrines. And the one faction that wins is the one that gets promoted by the Roman emperor anyway. But that, that's kind of how this felt. And so, so it, it, was almost, it was very much as though all of her work had to prove no matter what the DNA was actually saying, had to prove that um, her doctrine of Bigfoot was the correct doctrine. And here's the doctrine of Melba Ketchum and others that follow her in the Bigfoot community, that Sasquatch is real, that it is the hybridization of a human female 10,000 years ago, um, a human female mated with an unknown primate species, male species. And the, the Bigfoot or Sasquatch is the offspring of that hybridization event and somehow uh, just continued to re re reproduce and create a whole species out of this hybridization event. But whenever you would ask, and any time I would ask her, what do you, what, where is, where is the evidence for this primate, unknown primate in the, um, in the, um, in the whole genome in the, that she had had analyzed. And because the, when you, when you look at the whole genome, when you look at all the data, it's clearly, um, there are unknown species, but partly because it, it had contamination it also had um, the NCBI database wasn't fully uploaded or fully loaded with um, uh, the Ursus Americanus uh, genome, which is black bear genome. So once that was uploaded, if you went on to the NCBI database today, if you went to the journal that published her paper and you pulled the sequences and put them into BLAST, you would find Ursus Americanus. Um, is the species with some contamination. And that was one of the things the nature, um, the nature peer reviewers had suggested, you know, that she needed to rule out before they would publish the paper. She needed to rule out that there was no human contamination in that sample. And she refused to do it. She was so sure that her process was so perfect, there was no way she could have human contamination because she wanted to maintain her doctrine that these creatures are human, that they are the hybridization of a human and some unknown primate. So when you would really ask her and push her, she would tell, she, this is what she told me, that she couldn't figure out what this DNA was for the, for the, um, uh, for the, um, uh, the male progenitor of the species. Um, the Y chromosome. She um, she told me that she sat on her back porch, looking up at the sky, praying, and has a revelation that um, that somehow this DNA is folding in on, on itself, and probably came from an angel or from outer space, otherworldly, 
Um, the, so this primate species is an unknown uh, that, that mates with this female. She even goes on to say that it might be the Nephilim or the, the, from the Bible, the giants that were in Genesis. And so, so the doctrine continues and her doctrine in, includes the shape-shifting ability of the Sasquatch the ability that they have to use infrasound to paralyze people so they don't get discovered and that they can, <clears throat> they can disappear and they can travel through portals between Michigan and Texas. So they can visit her in Texas and then go visit her friend, the Robin, the forest people lady in Michigan. Um, I talked to Robin, Robin's nice. Um, but she believes she lives in a community of Sasquatches, um, but they can't be seen. So never, never did Melba Ketchum see a Sasquatch. She just believed in a doctrine and did everything she could to prove that doctrine, even, you know, um, manipulating science to prove it. Um, to, to go further with that, you know, she, and some of this kind of makes me angry and it makes me worried about all all doctrines and all dogma we we make them up as human beings we absolutely make it up and but then we we try to say well no it wasn't me that made that up you know melba ketchum's not gonna ever admit that she made this up that she manipulated the dna or at least she believed what she was seeing and the sequences were um, you know, a hybridization event instead of contamination from a human, right? She never let anyone sequence her DNA or any of her lab assistants DNA. That's how you would prove that was not contamination. Do If it wasn't contamination, then you should gladly go and have your genome, you know, and your DNA analyzed and your, anyone who handled that sample, anyone who handled that sample should have their DNA analyzed. She wouldn't do it. Neither would she have her lab assistants do it. You know, and so you can't rule out contamination. She didn't want to talk about contamination. She did not want to talk about any evidence that would, you know, would not support her doctrine. And so um, I became pretty um, good friends. I feel like I did, and maybe I really didn't. Maybe I was fooling myself with um, Derek Randall's. He was so genuine. He wanted so badly to resolve this issue because the Bigfoot community was rallying around these factions, right? And he's kind of like one of the founding fathers or one of the, you know, one of the um, church fathers, uh, right? And, and he's trying to maintain a unified church of Bigfoot, if you will. Um, and so I wanted to help him. One of the ways that I thought I could help him was to get Melba to release her sequences to the public. She wouldn't give them to, to nature. She, you know, and, and um, she had this website that, uh, or, or just a web flap platform. And um, so I eventually, I thought, I, I eventually had convinced her, you know, this, let, just put this out through your website publicly. Um, uh, she, and she wanted it to be a journal. 
<clears throat> she wanted it to be a journal that we create um, that has peer review and, and that legitimately publishes her paper, like an online journal, a self-publishing journal. The, the problem with that was is that every time we tried to do something like that, anyone who peer reviewed the paper would say the same thing, right? The, there are problems. There are problems here. And if she would have just addressed those problems, this was what was going on in my mind. I know today that she, that, that would never happen because again, this is a church, it's a, it's a religion, it's a doctrine for her. And um, so never would she um, correct anything or take feedback from peer reviewers. This is why when I talk in critical my critical thinking video, I mention peer review. There is real value in peer review. And, and what she still claims today and people who follow her claim today is that the scientific community is biased, right? We're biased against her. We're biased against Sasquatch. Um, you know, we just, the scientific community just is not willing to see new evidence. No, the scientific community loves new evidence and there's a rigorous process in the scientific community that the scientific method requires critical thinking and critical analysis. When someone asks a question that is sounds critical of your your uh, your hypothesis, embrace it because it will fine tune your hypothesis. When you reject it, you don't have a hypothesis. You have a doctrine. You have a religious dogma, um, and so that that's that's kind of why I um, push so hard on critical critical thinking and peer review. So the the i think the thing that really blew my mind is that i you know i i i thought i had convinced her we're not going to publish a journal no one's supporting that no scientist is going to support you with a positive peer review and when and she believed that if a peer reviewer sent back her paper and said this this will be approved if you make these revisions she believed that it was approved she believed that they saw the same thing that she did. She completely ignored the, the critique and, and would not take feedback and make adjustments and change. And um, so, or their conclusions were, this is probably bear and this is probably a contamination. It's a bear we don't know about. It's a bear we don't have in the NCBI database, but there's a problem, Houston. So don't publish this. So I thought I had convinced her to publish her paper and her DNA sequences online through a text file. Um, and I spent time trying to put this website together. I don't know anything about doing that. Uh, it looks terrible. It sucks. It's, uh, it's called De Novo Accelerating Science. Um, and she went in that night, the night before it went live, and she changed it to be, well, in fact, I didn't, wanted to, actually i just wanted her to go onto her website the sasquatch genome project and just release it instead of going through this de novo you know scientific accelerating science web page because it it's not peer-reviewed it's not a journal that's not a real journal uh, de novo accelerating science was made up she did not purchase the journal she claims that she purchased this journal because the scientists thought it was too controversial and it really did pass peer review. I mean, there's so many mental gymnastics. This is the same thing that we're seeing with all the mental gymnastics happening right now with Trump, 
people believing that he really did win, people believing that, you know, um, votes were somehow stolen or, or fraud, you know, there's no evidence. There's no evidence. Um, but when someone you love and trust tells you, you end up believing it. And I just want to be clear that the opinion of someone you love and trust is not evidence. In fact, it may very well not be true. So I get up in the morning and she has made a press release that this journal um, <laughs> that wasn't real had published her paper or and then withdrew it. And the only way we, she could really publish it with the peer reviews was to purchase the journal. She didn't purchase the journal. She didn't purchase anything and sends it out online and then goes on all these, you know, these channels and these. Um, in fact, I think one of her supporters, Dr. Swenson, went on Joe Rogan or was interviewed by Joe Rogan. It was it was somewhat and this is like 2013, February or so. This It got pretty popular and the Bigfoot community went crazy. And then to the degree, I, I kind of was in fear for my safety. I didn't know. I mean, I would receive some phone. I received a phone call from some weird person on, on that had a blog, people trying to disprove or trying to, you know, um, attack Melba Ketchum and everybody surrounding her. And unfortunately, I became associated with her to some degree, not to a great degree, because no one would remember me today. But I'll tell you, um, um, it's kind of a, a dangerous community, um, not unlike QAnon. And um, so it is so important, and I, and I would say this to anyone that might be involved in an online community, including a Facebook group, be so, so, so careful. Because um, Facebook and the online community is a breeding ground for cult-like behavior, people who want to b believe a narrative, that want to subscribe to a narrative and get people to believe in, in that narrative. And, and sometimes that's for power, sometimes that's for prestige. Melba Ketchum wanted to be the, the queen and leader and prophetess of the Bigfoot community. She wanted to be the one that everyone looked to, that Adrian Erickson, whoever that was, looked to. I mean, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. When I finally saw these secret videos that were supposedly super confidential of, of the Bigfoot that they received these samples from, um, <laughs> it looked like a Chewbacca mask and some kind of a like furry creature breathing, laying down and breathing. I mean, it was so mind-blowingly stupid. Um, and so... There is no evidence whatsoever that Bigfoot exists, that Sasquatch exists. There's no evidence at all. We see primate species today that are very rare that we can locate, we can, uh, we can observe them, we have scientific evidence, all kinds of scientific evidence to describe them. No such thing is, occurs with Sasquatch. Everything, all evidence relating to Sasquatch is anecdotal and it's BS. And Jeff Meldrum, bless his sweetheart, 
he is a good scientist, but he is he is um, somewhat biased. I, I don't know what it is that's going on with Mel Jeff Meldrum, and I think this could be this could happen with any number of scientists. I think I've even seen it before with scientists that I've worked with, where they so strongly want to make their hypothesis, you know, real or true, they they can't. Uh, they can't get off that note. They keep playing that note on the piano and they can't stop. That's Jeff Meldrum because the only evidence that he has ever talked about are footprints. And some of the things that he talks about, like a mid-tarsal break in a footprint, which you don't see, he claims, you don't see in humans, we actually do see in modern-day Homo sapiens sapien, sapien. There are modern-day humans um, with that same phenomenon. Uh, so that is not just unique to archaic hominins that are extinct. Um, so if you have the book, Legend Meets Science, uh, it, please know that it is entertainment genetics. No, entertainment science, it's not genetics. He doesn't know anything about genetics in that book. He, did, he does know enough to recognize that Melba Ketchum is... Um, full of BS herself. So there was always kind of a fight between those two. Um, <clears throat> so I think this is just my own personal example of um, the importance of critical thinking um, and recognizing your own bias. And when there are red flags, when, when you know that there is a red flag in a claim that someone is making, and just because other things that they are saying is accurate, and sounds smart, don't dismiss those red flags because they actually mean something. I hope you enjoyed the story about mapping Bigfoot's genome. Um, ladies and gentlemen, have a great night. Peace out. Mm -hmm.